0: All It is episode
1: 34 of Honestly Unbalanced and this week's guest went from living and working in New York as an international model to becoming a mindfulness and movement coach. It's Kim Hartwell. So here's a little bit about Kim. So Kim is a personal trainer, movement coach, yoga teacher, rock climber and nature lover. Her classes fuse biomechanics and yoga flow so you can feel empowered to do what you love for longer. She's also the founder of Rock and Soul Adventures which combine rock climbing, movement and general outdoor stuff Uh, and you can find Kim teaching online uh, and she's creating her own platform which we'll tell you a little bit about but yeah Kim is a bundle of joy and we had a wonderful conversation with her you'll enjoy it and, guys, as a reminder, if you're on the market for a yoga mat, you can buy a life form and you can use our code, the hustlers, all capitals, that is T H E H U S L E R S, the hustlers, and you'll get 10% off their mats. It just launched a new blue one, which looks wicked. And also on our online platform, we have a current lock down code on. so You can join us for weekly classes, meditation, sound journeys and all that stuff and you get access to the back catalog as well. Just head to the hustlers.com to find out more.
0: Honestly, I'm balanced. <laughs> like o- over
1: the years I've known you, you've been ver- you've been various different things. So yep. like what do you kind of see yourself kind of mainly as now or how has how has how you see yourself changed over the last few years?
2: yeah i think it's interesting you're touching on that and i was actually going back to our conversation we had a while ago and you were one of the first people i did come to and be like Adam, I don't know what to do I've been like I've got this fitness background about me and I feel very sporty and I've obviously got this yoga element to me and I got much more into the yoga and I was just like I I don't know how those worlds collide and I don't want people to think I'm a massive fraud as a yogi because I'm coming from a fitness background and I was also kind of keen to not scare off all the fitness people being like I'm super yogi so it was like that meeting of um, both worlds but I think as I've grown, even in my own training, like everybody else, is that we just kind of learn along the way. We get older, our bodies do different things. And I think I went from when I met you guys, I was at Equinox teaching, and I was very into, like, the high-intensity, no pain, no game training. And um, I think even through that time, I was really exploring. I was really interested in things like animal flow and free movement and, like, not – obviously being disciplined with your movement practices but not having to be like life is getting a handstand or life is doing like crazy amounts of squat weights and i think i've really enjoyed that progression of kind of learning how to apply everything you do in the gym to your outdoor world and i think so now my now to go back to that it's like i just i like to apply what i know in my movement and mindfulness background to adventuring outside so whether that be just like cycling or running or I'm a massive rock climber so for me it's all about that longevity that people can get from that training and kind of doing what you love for longer so it's definitely been a bit of a journey to get to that point but um, that's where I'm at now
0: and how did you find the process of working out what it was that you I hate to say you know how you want to label yourself but what were the the struggles with that?
2: There was a lot of struggles to be honest, and if I'm being really putting my hand up, I am um, I on- honestly nearly quit yoga. i was really not doing yoga, but I really didn't. <laughs> I honestly nearly stopped teaching yoga because I was basically trying to pigeonhole myself into being what yoga studios wanted me, yeah. or what I perceived they wanted me to teach, and I'd go to auditions very yoga specific studios and really get. Um, disheartened by feedback from people who just wanted me to do strict Sun A, Sun B, Mm. then you do this, then you do that. And I felt like it was really squashing my creativity. And I knew that for me, my practice, I love that free flow. I love working for me. You already spoke to Celeste Perrier; She's my mentor. So I love the physio aspect of it. I love the 360 and all of this stuff that is obviously part of a newer world of yoga but um, I did find it hard and I would get so many people that I like at the beginning I just really struggled to get into yoga studios teaching because I'd come and be like hey I'm a hit trainer yeah <laughs> yeah like, well it's not exactly very yogi <laughs> or whatever mm. um, and actually it was Celeste who was my mentor and she kind of pulled me out of that being like but that is unique and that's what makes you you." and even Adam as well where we spoke about it before you were like why don't you look at it from another angle it's like you can do this yoga for boxers or CrossFit you know all these other areas which doesn't have to be what we always perceive as a yoga studio where all of the very strict yogis mm, go to or, mm-hmm. so that was tough and it did take a while to even find your confidence in teaching I think a lot of us teachers can relate in just knowing what your voice is and being authentic to who you are because when I was teaching that way I wasn't being authentic and then it wasn't I wasn't coming across as the best teacher I could be because I was just trying to go along with what other people or what I believed other people thought I wanted that wanted me to teach and I'd have a horrendous like imposter syndrome just being like I just can't do it
0: (laughs) yeah did you try and be that other person then to fit in for a
2: long time and that's honestly why I nearly quit yoga because I think that I wasn't giving them what I you know what my my souls and my, my passion was mm. and so they weren't obviously going to get that vibe from me and obviously a lot of it has to do with experience and being in classrooms and obviously I'd had that teacher aspect from years and years of teaching kind of strength training and hip training or PT or whatever but um not in yoga atmosphere and i think even to the point where in yoga people don't really necessarily feedback as much on their faces so my like, god no they're, no they're like default <laughs> resting
1: angry face
0: many resting it's, bitch yeah. faces out there and you'd like you, you'd get yourself because i was so used to teaching
2: these very high energy classes people being like Yay, yeah yeah they can't wait. and they would come up and they would bounce up to you afterwards and i think that was hard for me going into a yoga studio and i i remember str- like one time i taught a class and i thought this woman was like gonna kill me by the end of it and was like oh god she hates it she's gonna you know she's gonna complain and she came up to me after class raving and i really? was like are you kidding me <laughs> i've just been like bricking myself for 60 minutes about this yeah. but it shows you and that's that is another thing i've learned along the way it's, it's not necessarily about me it's, it's it's about their journey and what they're going through
0: totally even
1: for me
2: as a student it's just yeah it's a funny thing
1: one th- one thing you said there was how you kind of incorporated your knowledge into teaching yoga like, and your biases to teaching yoga. And that's really important that sometimes there's this balance between people coming into a yoga practice and then just kind of making it up. And I've seen that a few <laughs> times, like people who are new to yoga, just creating their own style of yoga and oh, this, this feels good. And there was a mm-hmm. difference between doing that, but then doing it from a place of information. So exactly. like you, you had lots of trainings in other disciplines and you yeah. brought that to yoga rather than just deciding, well, I'm gonna make my own style of yoga and call it like Kim yoga and just do my thing or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so what what was what was your, what was kind of the training you, you'd you had? Was it, was it kind of PT or was it a mix of other bits and pieces?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I started out doing my personal training course. That was when I was living in New York and I did my kind of standard level, they call it level three out there. And then I also did a corrective exercise specialist course um, with the same brand of, uh, it's called NASM. Um, so I did that. And then I think I yeah i mean i studied my yoga teacher training when i done i've been doing pt for I don't know I think about five years or something by that point so I had a lot of experience with bodies and just even like what you guys know just being in those studios like even when we were teaching someone like Equinox I just I remember just being like a sponge with all these people around us and um having someone like Celeste as my mentor I've gone to so many of her teacher trainings and anatomy and um and constantly even if they're not necessarily a training where I kind of show up for a particular you know 12-week course it's just always keeping so informed into what's going on in the market, doing your own research. I make a passion of making sure that for every class I teach, I have a theme. So we have an anatomy theme and then we have a psychological theme. So I really get Mm. really into the nitty gritty of that. And I know that for me, when I'm teaching things like um, workshops about low body mobility or things like that, I I love that kind of science behind it. So I really kind of make sure that I go to extremes to kind of research Mm. it all and then, in a way, you have to try and be careful because you don't want to completely bolster people with overwhelming information. Yeah. But what I try to do is make it, I'm really um, a big fan of just making everything fun and playful. I think sometimes we really uh, take ourselves so seriously. So true. And it's quite scary for people when they start yoga. Like, even I was uh, speaking to someone the other day and she was like, oh, Where do I start? And I was like, The whole thing is really scary for people. If you go on Instagram and see all these crazy, oh my yoga God, yeah. Or mm-hmm. dancers or gymnastics and, it just for me, it doesn't make it very um, attainable. It doesn't make it very um, inclusive. So for me, always from the get go, I've always been about like empowering people with knowledge. And then if you've given them that knowledge, then they have a motivation for why they're doing what they're doing. It's not even with my all of my PT training or anything like that. It's always the why behind it, but also the fun and trying to make it playful and knowing that that is one the best way we learn, but two also how it's going to keep it long-term because mm. it gets boring after a while. Mm. If you want to just get a flat stomach or you just are, you know, so focused on just getting a handstand, then it's just, it, it, I don't know, it loses. sometimes it loses its,
0: you know, its soul. Completely.
1: And so you can do a handstand eventually and then you feel empty after uh. one minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: like, wait, But it's, <laughs> it's all, I think everyone seems to start at that point. It always seems to, with yoga, start as a physical journey. You know, I have to be able to do the handstand to be good. And um, just going off track a little bit, what you said about it's quite a skill, I think, as a yoga teacher to weave in um, the physical theme. And then you've also got to think of the emotional theme, the energetic theme, and then lead the class and then try and keep it simple at the same time and then try and Mm -hmm. include the breathing. There's actually so much to it. Did you find it uh, almost I know you've been teaching for a long time before that doing your PT and your high intensity training. Did you think that it would kind of be an easy transition into yoga teaching or did you kind of know what you were getting yourself into as it were any surprises I,
2: I think it was always I knew I went to amazing yoga teachers I always would be like wow like if I could be like them, that, that would be like something but I was a little bit tripped into it because when I went on my teacher training I am um, part of one of the exams was um teaching a yoga class and what they ended up doing was saying these different sequences and you just learned it. And I got I'm always been quite good at studying. So for me, I just like learned it parrot apparent fashion. Yeah. I had my teaching voice <laughs> because I've been teaching already. So I got really lucky and I was the first to go and she was just like, Great, pass the flying hollow. I really that didn't wasn't really helpful because going forward I was like, ah, but obviously going into real life situations with all um particularly people in studios where they're used to their teachers it's very hard to come as a new teacher and that's why I think it's even hard especially now for new teachers to try and get online because it's like you you need that experience like you have to really have those rounds of classes that really didn't go very well at the beginning because you needed to kind of decide okay that, that didn't work so what else does work and you know all these Thousands of different bodies that come to you yeah. are going to need different things and different people. But I think that's when you start to sift out who your people are. And Celeste was the best at kind of teaching me that those everybody can't be your people, right? Mm-hmm. And um it's taken me a little bit of time to find my piece of that. But I think now I'm getting to the point where if you're coming to my yoga class and you're like, "Wow, all you talk about is this like anatomy," and you know, I just want to flow or whatever. I, you're probably not the right.
0: Yeah. For my class. Yeah. It is difficult to get to that point where you, you have to realise that not everyone's going to like you. And you've got to be okay with that. And you've just got to teach the way that you teach and accept that people are going to fall away. And then you'll build your tribe naturally.
1: But how did you deal with the people that didn't like yeah, you? Like initially, like, initially <laughs> like when you said that there were some people who didn't, you know, didn't think, you know, you were a PT, you're not a proper yoga teacher or like, like, how did you you deal with that and then as a follow-up how did you then really find your place
2: I think that was one of the most challenging parts of my career in general is I still have like I mean I think we all do but I do have quite crippling imposter syndrome like to the point where if a teacher you know not as much recently but if teachers came to my class I'd just be mortified oh my gosh oh my god like I feel like an absolute you know joke but um I think really honing into like what what my passion was was a huge step in the first place because I think I had to really work out like I've always done yoga even before I was doing PT I've always done yoga it's been a part of my life but whether I needed to be a yoga teacher I think taking that step to my yoga teacher training and then just coming out and being like okay yep ready for yoga teacher training it was quite it still takes quite a transition and Mm -hmm. I think it took quite a while for me to find my space what my passion is even in movement We, we change all the time you know and I think that it took a little while to find my peace with that. And then I think once you find that authenticity, that's when I became a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more hard on the team, kind of being like, you know what, it's fine if you don't like me. Mm. And um, But yeah, it's still, I think it's something that, lots of uh, teachers struggle with
0: really I'm so glad you brought up imposter syndrome because this is what this podcast is all about you know if I look at your beautiful Instagram and your gorgeous face which I do every day I'm like oh Kim my little (laughs) ray of sunshine yeah it's true (laughs) um it can be really hard for people to to see underneath that and think this girl you know suffers with imposter syndrome maybe some days doesn't feel like she's enough and because I think we all get it so I'm just saying that I'm glad you made that point for the listener because and I do
2: think it's it's also even like the for me, I even have to check in with myself sometimes be like, Kim, you have to start showing a bit more of the bad stuff because I do agree that it's obviously this perfection that's painted on Instagram. And, you know, I got bullied really badly when I was a kid. I had teeth. I was like, you know, I remember when I started modeling that the model scout came up to me and was like, you, th- you know, you think you can be a model. And I thought they were talking to my best friend. <sighs> and I just was such a tomboy and was just like, oh. And I think <laughs> so, like forever, I've always been like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And I think, um, yeah, it's a work in progress, really. Oh, bless it's, you. Um,
0: I just can't even imagine anyone bullying you. That's, yeah. very, mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's very mean. If you're listening, stop listening. <laughs>
1: but you, you've you now kind of established yourself fairly well, haven't you? You've, uh, I guess you had connections with the fitness industry anyway from, you know, long-term teaching and that. And then I guess always, you know, being in magazines and kind of the, the modelling thing like the women's fitness magazines etc you've got some connections there but you've made, you know, you've made, you built a good social media account you're partnering with various events and like Wonderlust, etc like how did you build that beyond connections that you might have had like how did you build that how did you cultivate that what was the work that went into building building the brand mm, yeah
2: good question um I think that yeah I think like you said it's a lot of experience like not necessarily even having connected but like going to all of the festivals going to all the events and back in the day when the influencer world was starting off with you Mm -hmm. just would go to everything yeah (laughs) just kind of like get out there get your name known but I think more than anything that I, I would hope that's built my brand is just that educator point of view being um with my content I've always really strived to provide educational content whether that's in the form of the Instagram or my newsletter or um you know just helping people if they're coming to you for questions and I think that um with the brands I guess it's all kind of merged quite nicely because I was modeling previously but then it kind of turned into Kim that can actually do, do other things and just have her face or whatever <laughs> so it was like oh we'll get her in to do these events and I think um, for other people, if you're interested in getting into that, there's, um, there's social media agencies that are out there, um, or there's, it's just contacting brands, it's being brave enough a lot of the time to, a lot of the time, sometimes I speak to PR agents, and I know that they deal with specific brands. And I think at one point, I just got quite clear about what brands I love, and what I would really like, the brands I would dream of working with and um things like retreats for instance when i run my um rock and soul adventures that climbing and uh, yoga retreats i knew that rock climbing North Face, are probably like one of my top people to work with and um i had done stuff with roxy in the past i was like i'm gonna surf so roxy would be a good you know and it's just reaching out to those sorts of people and going um you know you fit my brand really well and perhaps i can bring you something that mm. um would be useful for your brand, and obviously it does all help with the following and the rest of it. But that takes time at the end of the day, and that's you know I don't even want to look at how many posts I've done on Instagram. In mm-hmm. that day,
1: but it's... <laughs> Shall we look? I'm going to look now. You <laughs> No, don't. I think I've,
2: like 4, I've already been... that's awful.
1: <laughs> But but people forget that. People forget that the hard work that's put into it. Uh, in, in terms of like how many posts over how long, like I have done God three thousand one hundred and eighty posts mm. over God knows God,
0: every day over God knows, for God knows the
1: last... how many years. Yeah. You know when it started, I was doing three posts a day. I do morning, yeah. lunch, and yeah. was Oh, You've it? done more. You beat me. God, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you've done four thousand and thirty-seven.
0: And has has your goal behind what you do always really been the same, or has it? had a little transition over the years would you say?
2: I think more recently it's changed obviously quite a lot with all of the stuff going on yeah. around us at the moment mm. but um I think he was lucky because i always loved traveling like i, I knew i remember seeing girls going on blogger trips and be like how are you making that your job yeah. traveling and working or getting paid to travel and um i was always quite interested in going you know teaching on the retreats. it's not even just for the fact that it's beautiful places to be but just because of the connection that you get on the retreats is yeah. so much higher than something like a class you just get to spend time with people you know their journeys you know um a little bit more about them and i think that then My passion for my climbing and just being outside and knowing how amazing I feel from being outside and being empowered by nature, you know, getting out, whether it's cycling or running or, um, you know, paddleboarding, surfing, climbing, all of the wonderful things that we have to do. And I think with the climbing, specifically those um, retreats I was just so passionate because I loved it so much and I wasn't by any means a pro at it I was still relatively new when I first started taking people for like I think I'd only been climbing for a couple of years and it was one of those especially girls would be like well I can't climb I feel like I've got you know a uh, weak upper body and I was like so passionate because the women are actually really amazing climbers and they can have this incredible mobility and the way Mm. they move on the rock and it was a really nice thing for me to be able to empower people through nature and I think that has been something that's kind of been uh, consistent all the way through my career because when I first started my personal training it was born out of me being a model and all of my model friends knowing that I was just into keeping fit and they'd always come to me for advice and the whole thing that they would always ask me like how do I look skinny or how do I do this or that and when I was modeling it was just obviously such a weird old world mm. they'd be like hey Kim you know you've got size 36 hips ideally like they'd be 35 And oh, gosh. be like, but that is bone
0: yeah <laughs> mm. that's my bone
2: those sorts of things like i i was lucky enough to go down the anger of go, okay well let's empower ourselves to be strong and feel really confident because we feel so strong from um being able to train or whatever it is that you do um so i always love the element of being able to teach particularly women younger women that felt a little bit um sensitive and didn't have the self-esteem that they should and it was nice to be able to be like well do you know what like go and find the strength in some sort of movement. And be like, it's quite empowering to be like that girl that is like, I remember when people used to come to Equinox, they'd be like, oh, this little blonde girl should be really easy. (laughs) They'd like run out the class.
0: Yeah, that was was probably me. I remember coming to your class for the first time. And and I think I have a memory of me lying on the floor at the end of it. And you were lying there next to me. and that was so fun. Such a great class. It was
2: fun. But the thing is, even that has established because I think when I was teaching those classes, I was so interested in things like the animal movement or the flows and i think i did try and put them into some of my classes and people weren't quite ready to teach them yeah and they were like why are we coming off of our space we don't go up and down the room we stay in our space uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and what is so what is wealth for you now like in terms of what you want going forwards not just for business but like in life like where what's the next steps or what you want
2: we were speaking before i think obviously lockdown has changed a lot i've been able to transfer all of my business online which obviously most of us have but i think longer term i've always had an affinity of being able to kind of work wherever i want to be and for me my my dream is to live by the ocean wherever Mm -hmm. that will be i need to live by the ocean at some stage so that's my kind of pipe goal um in terms of my business at the moment i'm building a membership platform and that's going to be launching very soon which i'm excited Mm, about so be nice just for people because that's got um kind of all of the elements of the different trainings i've I've done before so it's got like a move strong element which will be like more strength training and kind of fitness and we've got um fine is a bit more yoga move free which will be a bit more mobility and then it's kind of like a stretch and reset which is more like you know mindfulness and um breath work and all that sort of stuff so I think that I'd love to grow and make it obviously not just me as a teacher there and um that's uh my kind of thing that I'm seeing right now that I'm working on a lot of um and I think it's quite a tough one at the moment for people to really say where they're going long term with the current environment that we're in Mm. um but I know that um the online stuff is obviously something that um has been working for me the brand it helps with the brand uh stuff that I'm doing with the social media and just working with all the brands that I love um yeah maybe a podcast in there or something Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm definitely excited about those um sort of aspects of business but yeah in terms of my personal life definitely some more nature
0: yeah And are you are you someone that has goals do you sort of sit down at the beginning of the year and you map out your life and you write down all your future goals or do you are you more sort of go with the flow and just one step forward at a time kind of gal
2: I think I'm a bit like you correct me if I'm wrong but I am I like the idea of goals and I do I do do some journaling I do find that useful for, for getting my head set about a, a path but I am also particularly like an actor, like kind of um, yeah. loads of ideas, lots of excitement, <laughs> creative, everything. Like yeah. even now when you're just asking, I'm like, this, 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 this. And I, yeah. I am someone who I don't necessarily have like one definitive goal that I have to achieve. And I think part of the beauty of that is is the journey, isn't it? Yeah, so I totally. think you can have all of those goals, but it's hard to know when things are always adapting all the time and, you know you're exploring different avenues different routes and i think that's the beauty of when you kind of learn Mm. those things you're passionate about i know i'm always going to be passionate about teaching people i know that i'm always going to be passionate about things like workshops because I can really help people to geek out because i I try i do the little bit of geeking out in the classes but when you can go to the workshops as you guys will know you can just completely really get deep into the stuff and the nitty-gritty of the things that you're passionate about teaching people um so yeah i can envisage doing lots more of those and then yeah like we were saying we'll see geographically where that leads us in terms of whether that's online or perhaps in the studios or,
1: in, or around the world. <laughs> now, Less about goals, more about failures. Yeah. <laughs> Straight in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like what kind what, of...
2: failures that I will make? Or <laughs> Both, <I have. laughs> yeah. What, for,
1: what failures do you foresee? No. So what ca- what kind of failures have you had on this journey? I guess it to, to some degree it was probably unexpected. I guess it was kind of... An org- organically, your journey happened. You, know, you became... You were fit while being a model and that became fitness instructing and then it developed into what you do now. But what kind of failures have you had along the way? Or
0: perceived failures. <laughs> or
1: perceived failures. Mean, I'm sure you've learned from everything. <laughs> but what, what times did you not achieve your goal or intermediate goal?
2: Honestly, I think I'm thinking there's quite there's a lot of them, but I'm like <laughs> which one to start with. Um, I know that at one point I was just trying like I said, trying to please everybody and being like, I don't really know my passion. I hadn't really honed into my real pure passions and I remember them being like, Do you want to learn how to do spinning? <laughs> and I was like, Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure, that's another string to my bow. <laughs> and I remember when I went in I hated spinning. I I used to do it and then I think I overspun myself and was like, Nope, overspun like yourself. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. And then I was just like, I literally hate it. And then I remember being on this train and just giving this man like devil eyes. And, like, why am I here? That was definitely not a good route for me. Um, and like I said to you before, trying to teach a yoga that wasn't uh, something I was passionate about or something I was teaching all the time, that did not work for me at all because it crushed my soul and made me want to stop teaching yoga. <laughs> and other people probably didn't enjoy it. Yeah. They like, could. Um, and then... I don't know. I think you have to be um, quite careful, especially with the social media thing. I think when money becomes a thing, Mm. it's easy to say yes to things. And I think I have to, before there's been a couple of uh, posts, nothing crazy, right? Like there's nothing that I've been like, oh my God, if anyone saw that, I'd die or whatever. But like the things that weren't authentic and I remember spending a lot longer shooting those things and taking time. And I couldn't get it right and I'd get so frustrated and I remember there was one I was working with a modeling agency at the time and they had a social media kind of division and she got me this uh this job for Bumble which Bumble is fine don't Ugh. get me wrong I'm I'm a married, You're woman. married yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like it just seems a bit weird and they were like they have this fitness element and you just need to like show your abs and I remember I swear to god I took the picture I don't even know where that picture would be now years back and um, I cried after it. Oh, being like, so... I, I just want to die. And I remember saying to my agent, I was like, "That job made me want to die inside." It's just what did you have to? What did you have to write
1: about in the copy? And what did your husband I, say?
2: Something stupid. And to be honest, it wasn't even like a dating thing because I said, obviously, I'm I'm married, so I was like, I couldn't even, couldn't try to do that angle. But it was just this kind of I don't. I think it goes with the self-esteem thing. I don't think there is a problem. I think women should be set ce- or any anyone should be celebrated for their bodies, yeah. I mean, incredible human beings, but I'm just not really the sort of person that likes to be like, hey, look at my abs, let's do this, let's do that. I don't want anyone to feel any reason to feel inferior or anything mm. like that. I just I just didn't feel comfortable, especially as a model. And I think people really um, confuse models because they think, oh, they must have like, super arrogant super big-headed but a lot of the time that esteem is so bad Yeah, I can imagine And I just remember just being like I don't want to want people to think that of me mm. which is again one of those things that you could say like is a journey of just getting to the point where maybe you should care less
0: yeah mm. you must have uh, come face to face with that kind of feeling a lot I'm guessing being a model you hear a lot about the modeling world being quite toxic did you did you feel like that a lot during yeah. your modeling days
2: that was hard. and to be honest if you're talking about failures it wasn't a failure because it was i you know I look back and I'm like oh it's quite brave but um mm. when we moved to new york it was big because I was a smaller model like I was five I, I'm five foot six and a half but uh, I would learn we would say I was five foot eight which is like <laughs> the standard model thing and um we went to New York with my husband's work and fortunately I got placed with an agent over there the agent that I went with at first was a really mean agent and I was very grateful to see the back of them oh. and go to a really nice agent after that but they were ones that were kind of pigeonholing me being like okay well who is this like British chick that's in, you know, I don't know, just they weren't very friendly, and the um, environment over there is so highly competitive. Like every single person is a model over there. Mm. So, and even to the point from the fitness point of view, I didn't start doing really fitness modeling till a little bit later on when I went to. The other um, agency was Amina, and they had a fitness division. And I remember seeing these incredible athletes and these people who owned, run their own studios or had paid, like you know, were cheerleaders for like the top NFL teams. And I'd go to castings with them, and they'd be like, "So, what do you do?" <laughs> I'd be like, "I like to go to the gym." <laughs> you know?
0: and, um, oh, bless you. So
2: Half. and like, mm. you know, these that was a polar opposite of, you know, I was never I was very fortunate I didn't get to the point where I ever starved myself. You know, everyone goes through the face where you're like, hey, maybe I should have less pasta or whatever in the modern <laughs> world anyway. Mm. And but I never got to the point where I was really having an issue with it, which is where it's nice it stemmed off into the gym work. But on the other point of that, especially in the fitness world and you guys even know now, you can get another extreme of that where people are just completely addicted to fitness. Yeah. And they there's a belief that if you're not training hard enough fast enough far enough then you're not worthy and that's mm. not a nice thing either no, and that yeah. was that was a hard thing to not get stuck into especially the new york mindset when it's just very very tight there
1: mm. and it's especially when you're a like w- when your job is fitness like there's so much pressure now there's lots of people mm-hmm. whose bodies are just unimagin like you can't comprehend how toned and what low body fat percentage they have like like I'm I feel like I'm older now and I've lost it. But when (laughs) I was what they look like, I was training for about six hours a day. So this is years ago and I was boxing. I was training about six hours every day.
0: Classic type A here. Yeah,
1: but no but not that wasn't my that wasn't what I was doing for a living. I was just Obsessed, utterly obsessed, and it was so unhealthy. Didn't you wake up
0: with and have gammon. For yeah, breakfast? I used to
1: cook gammon every night and <laughs> cut cut it into like wheels, like gammon wheels, and have them by my bed, and wake up in the middle of the night and like eat some gammon. <laughs> oh my Isn't
0: my that God. disgusting? God. That's hilarious. Yeah,
1: and, but that, oh but, and that was when I was like 100 kilograms of five percent body fat. But it was obscene wow. and all-consuming, completely unhealthy. I was completely single, and I see so many people now who look like i did then i'm like it's it's obscene like how many people are that toned and i'm i i wonder to like how i don't know like, not how insecure people are necessarily but
0: were you insecure though at that point do you think is that why you say that now was i
1: insecure like what, i don't why know were you I, I guess it? it's just the pre the pre, like, I i acknowledge that it was unhealthy yeah. and there weren't that many people in the gym that looked like i did then Mm. It, lots of people like training oh, and what, stuff. what were
0: you doing it for though Why was your why. Yeah.
1: yeah what my why was like aesthetics and look good yeah. so yeah. there
0: must have been an insecurity but
1: my point is more knowing how unhealthy i was maybe mentally at that point and physically to some degree yeah. but how many people are doing that now i think
0: like, it's transitioning though the times i think that's becoming less important now i think it used to be more one-dimensional maybe this is just from my perspective yeah. but i feel like it is I'd... moving
2: it is but I also think that you don't sometimes know when you're in that I remember I came back from New York and my mom told me off she was like Kim hey, you're looking very skinny oh, really? and I was just like oh mom I just really love fitness like on, let me <laughs> um but I didn't really know and I took I saw a picture a while back and I, I it was when I just come back and I was like whoa I really was like very like I, mean, skinny, but I was just ripped like what you're saying mm. but I know yes I was not a happy person at that time and what I really found from the back of that sort of training, I don't know if you found the same, but like injuries, you yeah. get
1: injuries. if
2: you do it, if you're doing that all the time. And I think that's where my, um, you know, passion is coming from now. I want to empower people to do what they love for longer because at one point or another, your body says no to that. Yeah. And, you know, I would always be, you know, proud of being that kind of ego. Hey, I can just like do this crazy here. I'm stronger than everyone, but mm. I feel like, you know, this athlete which is great but actually if you think about athletes and the team of people Mm. they have around to look after them they also recover really really well and they have you know proper movement all of this stuff that if you're really in this kind of like one track mind i don't think it's a process don't get me wrong it's taking me many many years and i'm not by any means perfect now but it's that consciousness and that's what the beauty of the yoga is if as of listening mm. to what is going on inside what it how is your body actually feeling rather than just putting it through the paces because you have to because you mm. have to tick off a little uh, thing that says you train that day
1: mm. yeah and I, I was wondering like how much it's tied up with identity as well uh, how much whether people identify or want to identify as being, I am a fit person mm. rather than I'm a person who happens to be fit. And I think yeah. for me, that may be the case. I I identified, or I'm a big, big guy. Mm-hmm. And that was me. Like You wanted uh, to
0: be that person. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm a big guy. I'm mm. a big guy. I mean, a woman, I'm a big guy, a big, strong guy. Mm and then it's it's, so it's then, you really get tied up within identity and i remember for a long time i was really felt out of place because like i'm not a big guy anymore, am I now? <laughs> who am i now <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: but i think that's right and i think for the same as from my point of view i was the girl that wanted to prove myself that i was stronger that people than people thought i i was mm. and why did i need feel the need to do that and you can say that comes from feeling not worthy enough because you're like but i have to prove something to show that i am enough and i'm strong and mm. you might not think it but i actually am or whatever so i do think that you've got a point with
0: that so much of everything seems to be rooted in this this bizarre notion that we're not enough and where does that mm. come from and, and why do we go through life is this part of the life journey like do we all have to come into this life feeling not good enough going on our journey and then using our gifts to help other people feel worthy like what is It's an interesting one isn't so it because complicate
2: cause... ourselves yeah. really can complicate it for ourselves. And I actually think that's the beauty of what you do, Holly. I think, um especially from reading really because a lot of your recent stuff is just it's such a nice thing to just be like you're here you're breathing mm. and that in itself is a wonderful thing yeah and it is and that's that whole idea of the goal-driven I think obviously it's a really amazing thing if you're goal-driven and don't get me wrong there's a huge passion that comes with things like having specific goals mm. in mind but I also think that we're always chasing the next thing the next thing yeah. the next thing and yeah. there will always be something else to chase and it's like when when is it enough
0: yeah so what do you have any tools to help you come back to you know feeling worthy enough just to to come back to center and think right I need to stop chasing I actually just need to 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 I don't know regroup any any tools that you would suggest for other people
2: yeah and I think I mean maybe similar to yours I think journaling I don't do it very often I'm not someone who sits there on journals every single Mm. day but I know that when my head is in a bit of a spin and I don't really know where I'm going what I'm doing Mm. the journaling is really helpful for me just to really kind of work out what I'm thinking why I'm thinking it and um kind of formulate like a bit of a route from there but I also think a really important thing is no screen time just get off social media because that is another thing that completely sends you into a whirlwind and um doing what you love so for me a lot of the time if I just need some grounding I just need to switch off from any of the technology and you know, go for a walk in nature with my husband, or spend time with my cats. Or, oh, you your know, cat silly, is so sweet. cute. Oh they Are two, them, they're mm. they're they're two? Cute, and They definitely turn into a crazy cat blocked.
1: <laughs> what are they? What, <laughs> are, what are the cats?
2: Molly, little Molly. Oh, she's right there. Oh, look, so oh, oh, so and, uh, sweet. Their little brothers so are very cute.
1: Zion, that's what kind? What kind cool. of cats are they?
2: They're just tabbies, and to be honest, they could have been very dodgy. We got them from Gumtree, yeah. and the man was very interesting. But um, they've turned into lovely little pets.
0: So. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Were they lockdown delights, or have you had them for a while? Oh,
2: I've had them for years. Oh, They're have like, you? Um, three they're actually very very tricky when you want to do the whole globe trotting thing oh yeah you always have to have someone who looks after cats and everyone's like hey go and get an airbnb for like a month or in wherever," and you're like yeah cats don't really slow with that <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're oh,
2: great so, oh, so it's sweet. just nice to have those home comforts and those things that you can um it just really makes you realise what's important, mm, and then, yeah. Because you get wrapped up in this world where you think money is everything, and you think that popularity or mm. likes or it—it it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think when you start to really connect with that, is when you really probably know what's what's up.
0: I think this year is two thousand twenty. Anyway, has really been a year to highlight that. Actually, yeah. yeah, I think in a way, I think although it's all been a lot of doom and gloom, of course. It's been a massive learning curve. And like what you said, it's really driven home what what really matters, what's really important, kind of um, takes away all of the other things that seem so important before, but just mm-hmm. turn out not to be at all.
2: And we've had to sit with it at the end of the day. And, you know, as we know, as yoga teachers, a lot yeah. of the time, the problems can be solved by just sitting with yeah. it and kind of processing. And um, I'll put my hand up first and be like, Do you know what? Every winter, I like to skip out to the sun because... I don't like winter and I like, mm. you know, but having to be here and really have to just, you know, be in ground and, you know, embrace the weather at all end of go for a walk if it's busy and down with rain. Like there's a learning curve to be had from that. And I think that is the beauty of lockdown is that people have been able to hopefully connect with their minds and bodies mm. more so. Um, yeah. and uh, it's, yeah, make it's, time been,
1: it's been a really interesting one, hasn't it? Because I think as, you know, all of us three have... You know, success in our own right. We have followers, we have an audience, we have people that really like us. And that's given us space to kind of step back and really reflect on what we want, what we need, maybe how we don't need to focus on, on, on finances so much. But again, a lot of the people in the industry in which we work in have had the opposite in in, in a sense. Maybe they haven't had such an audience, maybe they were... Know cover teaching a lots of studios. Maybe they just became a yoga teacher, with, and left their job last year just oh before God. furlough, yeah, etc. Yeah, must be tough. And I guess it's made them think that's all I need is it's a little bit of fame, a little bit more notor- notoriety, a little, a little few more followers, and have gone completely into like survival mode, as it were. Mm. So it's interesting that when we get into this position of some success, we can we can let it go a little bit, can't we? Yeah. But there's so many people who are no, you know, who are not 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 successful, but haven't got the things to fall back on perhaps as we have. And because a lot of the guests we chat to by the nature of us chatting to them have had success and uh, and we forget the other people as it were. it's
2: so, tricky, and I think that that is um, and the unfortunate thing with that is right now they do have to come to what the bare basic is, which is earning a living. Mm. And um, unfortunately to do that, that means that they now have to probably work more hours at less pay. And so they don't actually have the space and the time to be Mm. able to do those things, to be able to grow in a business where perhaps you can, you know, have get paid more for less time Mm. or spend time filming projects because you have enough kind of money to get you by enough. Um, you know, obviously everyone's always like, we could do with a bit more money, we could do it with a bit more followers or whatever. But mm. I think, yeah, I do think, especially as newer teachers, it's a tricky thing because you want to, it, it, it's such a big platform. There's so many teachers on offer. It's one of those markets that's a bit wild at the moment. And yeah. so even from a student's perspective, it's quite perplexing um, because you're like wait I could take this person, that person, that person and it doesn't really necessarily always strike loyalty because people were like oh well i just go to this person yeah, or that person. Mm. so for a newbie I do think that's hard to get noticed because um, you yeah, know people are a little bit spoiled mm. And that's where uh, your community comes into its own I guess.
1: And it's hard and it's, it can be very hard to compete now can't it you know of course bigger studios or bigger organisations can do things for so much more value for money they're so much better value. I like, like, deliciously, yeah. Ella apps, Wonderful. Mm. It's got so much yolk, but it's actually so affordable. Like, it's really, it's really good. Yeah. Well, yeah, well priced. And you know, if you're a new teacher charging you know, £10 a class, yeah. where do you get the people who are willing to, to pay that £10 per class? It's, and it's hard. And actually, okay. all, all day, although we've built, all of us maybe have built communities, if this goes on for longer, there becomes a point where if you haven't seen someone for a year, do you still really feel part of their community? If you haven't seen them in in, in the flesh for a year, do you still feel part of that? It'd be interesting to see how things pan out, won't it?
2: (laughs) I think so. And I think that that's where you have to find your real people, don't you? And know that, because for instance, someone like Celeste for me, like I will always go to all of her classes, you know, whatever she's selling, I'm buying because I'm just, You know, invested in what she's about, and I think if we can have um, your own people that do that, then it doesn't really matter about the other people and the noise. Because even though I might dabble in other people, I will always kind of recommend people to her and go to her classes and. I think someone said to me it's about having a thousand fans. And they were like mm. 10, Yeah, I've fans. heard that. Yeah, that follow I you, then you're
0: sorted isn't it for life. I thought it was a hundred. No, it's a thousand. Yeah, it's a thousand. Oh, yeah,
1: God, it's a thousand. It yeah, like- yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> but if you but even then if you've got a hundred people that are willing to come to your class twice a week, yeah. Potentially, yeah. or mm. willing to region it, that can be enough, mm. can't it? You don't need everyone. Mm. And that I guess speaks to the fact is how important it is to be authentic. And and, and especially come back to social media. Like how did you Find your voice on that. I guess if we swipe swipe you know, down your four thousand posts, <laughs> we would see very we would see a very different Kim at different sa- stages, Evolution. saying very different things. Like, yeah. w- what do you want to convey to people now, like through your social media? What What are you trying to get across, or what kind of images are you trying to share?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of mine is like um, my, my things like movement, mindfulness, and adventure. That's my passions, and that's what I will always speak very passionately about. Um, and I think for me it's more about making it okay for people to start and for people to just feel good in their bodies and like people who are stuck at a desk and everyone's going okay well you should be doing three hours of yoga I'm a bit like well why don't you just try stretching or like it, there's of bite-sized chunks of information that breaks down the barriers and so I want people to be able to feel that it's approachable I think a lot of my uh, posts is a lot about happiness or smiliness mm. and that's not because I'm trying to be fake and put a smile on every single picture but it's just because I, i'm quite a you know, bubbly vibrant, you are. energetic person <laughs> yeah that i want to you know those those are my people also so yeah. i think a lot of the stuff i'm putting out there is um i try to be as educational as i can be because i think we have grown out of the phase of people wanting to see avocado on toast or <laughs> Even just like the pretty poses, um, I don't like. I've never been that girl to be like putting up the crazy mm. handstands and look at what I can do. This, this, and that. As I just, it's nothing wrong with that. Like generally, like I think that people can do that. It's amazing. But um, I just think I want them to speak to something that's more than that. That's them finding their kind of soul. Mm. So my new platform is going to call- be called Move Your Soul, and it's all mm. about that connection with movement and mindfulness and getting out in nature to really find what sets your soul on fire in the most easiest way, but it is what sets your soul on fire. And, you know, for me, that is by educating people, keeping them uh, in the knowledge and get excited about why my body moves like that. And actually, you know what, I'm in pain, but I don't actually have to be in pain. And like those poor people that have been told at any time you can't run because you've had a knee injury or whatever. I want to be that other voice being like, yes, you can. And like no one is unfixable you know and it's like perhaps if you can't do the extreme versions of the running you want to do maybe start you know walking or whatever but it's um i want to be able to inspire people to know that they don't they can move and feel good Mm. in their bodies and it doesn't have to be through pain or through something they find that makes them miserable for instance, I'm not going to go to spin classes because I just don't find them fun, <laughs> and I want people to know that that's okay, that they you, can choose their kind of disciplines.
0: You outspun yourself years ago, girl. Is there any advice?
1: Not, yeah. Is there any advice you'd give your like your younger self? That's a good question.
2: <laughs> oh, I just feel feel that bad for my little bullied self.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just think like it's that whole trying to please everyone trying to compare yourself i would say the number one thing i would say to my myself as a younger model or even before that is just stop comparing and mm. i think social media is the devil for that yeah. i've actually been having a few coaching calls with younger girls because they're i've had dads approach me or whatever which has been really sweet and being like you know they don't have their confidence they're not eating right and oh. i love to help them feel empowered and i think the, one of the biggest things is just not trying to be like someone else and finding your beauty in yourself and um, I think that is a, it is a learning curve and it's a road that we're all on trying to find out who we are and love that mm. about ourselves. But um, I think the comparison is is really the, the devil. Mm.
0: <laughs> and we all experience it, listener, don't we? <laughs> all of, of us. Of
2: course. <laughs> Should we do I some... think it's weirdly natural, but yeah. Yeah, it is,
0: isn't it? Wait, again, where does that come from? Not feeling good enough, but never mind
2: school, I, 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 wonder, <laughs> school but yeah.
1: I wonder if there's an evolutionary aspect to it yeah maybe Like you have to be you know surely just for like, mating comparing yourself mm. to the other com- competition yeah maybe there must be survival
0: something... of the fittest
2: well, yeah. that could totally be a thing yeah I'm sure yeah. it sure must be and, and, and
1: of course over time what we deem to be the competition mm. changes as in years ago maybe it was the curvy women and then it was a skinny women and then it's a curvy women then it's a fit women and like yeah, <laughs> what do probably. we want to be changes over time
2: yeah. also someone said to me which i also thought was a really good point is that they like the people that you compare to are often not that far in front of you so it's the people that you think they might just be just out of grasp or, or what you perceive as just out of grasp being like oh well they've got this amazing you know project or brand working with them i just really like that and i think often that isn't within our reach yeah, I mean, yeah obviously I don't I'm not advocating just comparing yourself to everyone and being like I want to be like them but mm. I think sometimes they're not as out of reach as you think and it, they can sometimes obviously work as a huge motivator of being like well you know we're in the same industry we're in the same business there's no reason why you know this person is doing this and I can't do mm. that knowing that there's a pe- piece of the pie for everybody yeah um I've read yeah. that um wish- everything
0: you see in someone else you have those qualities within you so there's no reason why you can't you can't not be them but there's no reason you can't be you know on that level too
1: I'll be like Jason Momoa soon yeah perfect <laughs>
0: Sake. he's obsessed with jason momoa
1: i could be him have got I mean, yeah, it's almost within reach be i've got yourself. the hair now get be the beard so just, i'm 90 of the way to him be yourself we're going to move on some quick fire. so
0: quickly they always do Ooh. yeah right, i'll, go on, I'll yeah. start
1: uh what would you like to do more of if you had a little bit more space or time be in
0: the
1: ocean no oh, good easy <laughs>
0: Do you have a mantra or a motto that you live by? Or just that love? It doesn't
2: have to be perfect to be wonderful. I
1: love that. Best little recent purchase under £100. It could be anything.
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, my cactus. <laughs> <laughs> my friend was moving to another country, so I bought her plants off of her. <laughs> I've got my house all full of lovely plants, and I feel very happy. Every day. Are, are the cats okay with, with that? The, ca- the
1: cats aren't interfering.
2: Not really. No, they they um, they did have a little chew on something the other day, and I was like, please don't do that. <laughs> do do that. Um, no, I'm just trying not to kill the plants because my friend's keeping an eye on me. Oh, it's Phoebe. You know, you guys. Um, oh, Phoebe. <laughs> we
0: did. She was our guest number two, actually, Phoebe Greenacre, and she's just buggered off to where's she gone? Kenya.
1: Henia lucky at girl the and
2: she's going to bali after that so yeah, yeah she's these fabulous plants and it's like i don't know what i'm gonna do with them right, the Like key, the, have, the key I'll for xerophytes
1: xerophytes around well, any kind of cacti just spray lots of mist
2: no, she told me not to do it. Okay, we're gonna have a separate, a separate <laughs> conversation off of the podcast. She told me not too much water. We watered it; and it's gone a bit brown, and I'm like, oh no! Water in
1: or missed? Water in? No, I,
2: caught, ooh, in I, so in. I did. I, I missed at first, and then I did try and water a bit, and I, that might have been my my uh, yeah my fall down because we called it Phoebe, and every time I see her, I'm like, Phoebe's dying! Oh,
1: <laughs> oh, no. Don't say
2: that. Phoebe's <laughs> gone so, brown. Right, it's okay. oh,
1: I, hope it's, to- I hope it's not like Beauty and the Beast, where when the plant dies, she dies.
0: No, right. no, 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 They're nothing of that sort. I just just are, we here gonna, here. are we going to leave this in the podcast, or should we <laughs> <laughs> cut this bit out? We, should, we, should, we, should. we love podcast. you. We love you, Phoebe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> keep you, um,
2: but yeah, no, that would be my because I uh, didn't buy a little whole host of plants at first. So that was oh. great.
0: <laughs> Should and we
2: have at the same time?
0: Let's have one more because I know you love your TED talks and you're always sharing your wisdom or what you've learned on social media. So, is there one TED talk that you've seen recently that you would advise anyone to go and watch that's going to inspire and empower? Ooh.
2: Oh, my goodness. There's so many TED talks. Do you know what? It isn't necessarily a TED talk, but what something that I always bang on about telling people to listen to is there's a Joe Dispenser. You know, Dr. Joe Dispenser yeah. is this incredible neuroscientist. And some of the podcasts that he's done are literally mind blowing like literally mind like you're literally like wow i li- i can sky is the limit because i can teach my brain <laughs> to, <laughs> to know that sky's the limit and we can create our own reality with our thoughts and so i would definitely say look into some of uh jody spencer he's got um a book called breaking the habit of being yourself which i think is a phenomenal i literally pick it up and my brain is blown when i look at it um sean Aker did a really nice uh ted talk about happiness and he talked about the happiness advantage and it was that idea behind always having your mind on that future riches or school, mm. you know, be getting better at school and all of those things. And he talks a lot about where that comes from. Was, uh, yeah. Thank I you. so many of them. It's you start. Wow. I'm going to check <laughs> those what, out.
1: What do you want people to know about you in terms of like social media, website, yada, yada? Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Kim Hartwell. Um, my website is kimhartwell.com and like I said I'll be launching my membership very soon which is called Move Your Soul um, so I'll be keeping everyone updated about that soon and um, yeah that's probably me in a nutshell for now oh, <laughs> awesome. Thanks thank so you so much Kim
0: that was amazing it was thank so you. wonderful to chat to you guys honestly unbalanced